Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to Elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. Tracy Breakfast. Oh, yeah. Alternative news, analysis, and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to 8:30 a.m. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with myself Anya. There's Ayan and hey. there's George. Hey, <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Lauren's not here, unfortunately. We miss you, Lauren. And we hope to see you next week. There's always someone that <laughs> taps out. I know. When will we be the awesome, awesome <laughs> again? That sounds quite disgusting, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> next week, next week. <laughs> okay. So nice to be back. Can we do that again? Can we just say welcome back, George, because <laughs> it's so important. Welcome do- back, George. <laughs> uh, oh, damn it. <laughs> I was trying to say Okay. Well, okay. Take right. it from okay. the top. <laughs> Welcome back, George. <laughs> oh, good to be back. So nice. I feel like I'm emerging from my little shell. Yes. Mm. Are, you, are you done with marking? I'm done for two days and then I'm back on again. Mm. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be a raucous two days. Marking So, good news. We met our target at breakfast. Fundraiser target. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear more of this tonight. We're going to break this button today, for sure. And it, was, it just was a hit, right? Mm. Like, what was a hit? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday night. Yes. So the breakfast teams at 3CR held a fundraiser and we um, filmed um, this movie called Life is Waiting, which is about the Western Sahara resistance movement. And then we had a really great panel after that with Kamal Fadel from the Australian Western Sahara Association and mm. known as Williams. And that Anya and Ayan were the like panel, what do you call it? Panel facilitators. Mm. Did People who bring them water and crackers. <laughs> and, sort of and also ask the hard-hitting questions. Hard-hitting questions. Please. <laughs> uh. I took so many photos. I was like a proud mum. I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I posted those photos, mind you. So mm. <laughs> Thank you for that. Especially the one that looks like I'm sleeping. Great <laughs> <Sorry>. photo. <laughs> Look, it was hard. It was hard to get a shot where everyone, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really good, and we met our Radiothon mm. target. We did, which Woo. is always so good, and now we're looking around. We've got these new, we don't know if they're new chairs or they're second-hand <laughs> chairs. Or maybe washed. Washed. Yeah, wow. well, they're red now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
And they, they don't make squeaky noises. They don't. So, so, so your money <laughs> is going to a good place. <laughs> and the lights, the lights actually look more shinier. Or is that just a little bit brighter? Brighter, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that's where all that money yeah. is going. Yeah, studio's to. in tippy-top shape. Mm. Yes. And I think later we also, at 7.15, we have Gabby from the Australian Western Sahara Association. Association. Yeah. So, um, to yeah. continue the conversation. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear more. Uh, it's definitely an issue that I didn't have mm. any under, like any background knowledge on. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, oh, just actually to just to um, foreground today's program, we will be talking uh, a little fair bit about some pretty heavy topics around sexual violence, family violence, intimate partner violence, reproductive health. Um, so just to kind of give you all a heads up, but we will give more content warnings as we approach those interviews or topics. Um, but to jump into the news headlines for today, this week Queensland will repeal a 119-year-old section of their criminal code that makes abortion illegal. The Guardian reported that Jane Doyle, the manager of the Cairns Women's Centre, has told the Parliamentary Committee, which has been considering the bill, that the lack of access to abortion creates barriers for people trying to leave abusive relationships. So this is a really important step. The laws will make abortion up to, uh, of up to 22 weeks legal, as well as providing safe access zones for abortion clinics. LNP opposition leader Deb Frecklington is not supporting the bill, claiming that matters concerned with the creation and ending of life should be a matter of conscien- conscience. Also on the topic of abortion, in Melbourne on Saturday there was a pro-life march for the babies protest uh, and the Lad Society and the Antipodean and resistance groups were involved with the march for babies protest. Uh, There was also a pro-choice counter-rally which the police tried to keep uh, the two demonstrations separate uh, and several pro-choice activists broke across the line but were forcibly removed by police. One Nation leader, Pauline Hansen, moved a motion in an attempt to get the Senate to acknowledge that it is okay to be white and the deplorable rise of anti-white racism. Hmm. Greens leader Richard Dean Natale responded to the motion, arguing that it is not just okay to be white in Australia, it is actually a ticket to winning the lotto, making a link between the it's okay to be white slogan and white supremacy. The motion was defeated 31 votes to 28. Which is pretty mm, fine. Nothing, yeah, yeah. Nothing, if you think about it. So who was voting? Uh, like how In favour. Um, so, because I'm, I'm ignorant, but who who was voting, like who was deciding? So I believe it was, it was members of the Senate. Mm. Members of the Senate, yeah. okay. So I, I, it sounds like um, from the article I read that Labor and the Greens were sort of maj- like mostly against oh. it. So as Senate, mm. 28 to something. Mm. As Senate. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's good to know. So pretty full on. Yeah. Hmm. Um, as of October 12th, Trans Victorians who are married will no longer be required to divorce in order to affirm um, their gender on their birth certificate. Mm. Uh, this law still applies in New South Wales, Northern Territory, Tasmania, and Western Australia. This is such a huge step. And we did have an interview mm. on this topic a couple months ago, I think. So mm. it's really cool to see that 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 this has gone through. Mm. <clears throat> And last week, um, MSF, uh, Doctors Without Borders, publicly spoke out against Australia's immigration policies, demanding an end to offshore detention. And this took place, place a week after MSF mental health work- workers had been forced to stop working there. That's huge. Because mm. they are very apolitical, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And for them to come out and issue this statement is a huge, huge step. Yep. Mm. And... 
concerning that these workers are no longer, mm. yeah, you know, mm. able to provide support. Well, that is some heavy news, news for a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> should we Indeed. jump into a song? Maybe? Yeah, actually, that'd be great. Mm. I wanted to play um, this track by Mariam Hassan, who is uh, who was an activist and musician, um, a Sarawi singer, that we got to listen to a little bit in the Life is Waiting doco and she just has the most beautiful voice. Um, and so this track is called Hayu. <laughs> Remember, Nainop's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for Nainop Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. Nainop means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. Nainop means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy Nadoff! Hi, I'm Romy. I'm 14 years old and I'm part of a group organising a children's march for Nauru. Kids on Nauru are not free. They are suffering very much. Join kids, youth and families on Sunday, October 21st at 11am at Birurungma near Fed Square to call for the freedom of refugees in detention, especially children. This is a peaceful, family-friendly event and will include children's speeches and singing. The Artist Committee is a 3CR supporter. On 20th of October, come enjoy and experience traditional barapen, underground cooking from West Papua. Fundraising for Black Orchid Shrimp Band with music, food and movie. Hell in Brunswick East, cooking will start at 5pm. Pre-booking ticket only. 20 for adults, 14 for children, kids under 5 is free. Find the event on Black Hockey Stream Band Facebook page. Book through Try Booking. See you there at 20 of October. Black Hockey Stream Band, proud 3CR supporter. The Environmental Film Festival Australia is on again. See the impact of climate change and meet heroes fighting for justice. Witness the beauty of nature and hear the sounds of our world. Meet the filmmakers and experts inspiring change and join the conversation to create a sustainable future. Face the facts, face the future, face the films. The Environmental Film Festival Australia in Melbourne from October the 11th to the 19th. Tickets at EFFA.com. 
www.3cr.org.au A 3CR supporter. Good morning. Welcome back to 3CR Community Radio. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast with myself, Ayan. We have in the studio George and Anya. But on the line with us, and we're so thankful to have her, is Gabby from the Australia Western Sahara Association. And, yeah, she's here to uh, chat to us about everything Western Sahara, sorry, Western Sahara resistance. Welcome, Gabby. Well, while we get Gabby back on the line, because these things do happen, um, let's hear a song. Um, It's a song by, who is it, by Ivy? Ivy Soul. Um, Yeah, it's by Ivy Soul, and it's called Dream Girl. Take a plane, let's be naked on the shame for the wind and the rain on our beam. And you ain't gotta be afraid. I'm just trying to show the way to a place. Welcome back. Um, on the line we have Gabby from the Australia Western Sahara Association. Welcome back, Gabby. Welcome back, Gabby. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, perfect, perfect. Wow, it's yes. that type of morning when you know when we have no control over what happens <laughs> to the phone. But thank you so much for bearing with us, Gabby. Um, could, you, could you please um, start off by um, giving us some background to the resistance movement in Western Sahara? Um, yes. So Western Sahara is located in, uh, in north northwest of Africa. Uh, it's between Morocco and Mauritania. Um, Historically, it was colonized by Spain, and uh, in 1973, the Sahrawis, they organized um, demonstrations against uh, Spanish colony, and uh, so Spain withdrew, and they gave the country to Morocco and Mauritania, and um, so the, the Sahrawi resistance increased. Mm. Now it's... It, it, um, the Sahrawis um, started to, um, you know, started the resistance against Morocco and Mauritania, and then Mauritania withdrew in 1979, mm. uh, but Morocco didn't, and we are still struggling to gain our 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 right to self determination. Yeah, and it seemed like it seems like the African Union um, recognized Western Sahara's sovereignty. Um, which led to Morocco leaving the African Union. Can you tell us why it's important that there's an African solidarity to the Western Sahara struggle? Yes, it's very important because um, Africa as uh, as a continent has suffered from colonization. So we share the same history and uh, the same struggle. And it's very important uh, because um, the African Union African Union as an, organ, an organization is uh, recognized and it can help with the process of referendum. It can help to put pressure on the 
and the UN and their international community. So it's very important. Can you also um, perhaps expand on the UN, UN's involvement in the Western Sahara um, uh, conflict? Yes. So the UN, um, the UN has um, has agreed to um, to do a referendum for self determination for Sahrawis, mm-hmm. and uh, but however, um, and there was ceasefire. There was this by in 1991, and uh, the United Nations has um, agreed to do the referendum in 1992. However, until now, the referendum didn't take place. And the reason for that is Morocco doesn't want the referendum to take place because um, they are afraid that the Sahrawis will vote for independence. Um, so still involved, we have a, a UN mission called um, the Minorso, and it, uh, it's a uh, you know, it's in both sides. It's uh, in Morocco and Western Sahara, and it's in the in the refugee camps because Sahrawis, some of the Sahrawis are living in refugee camps in Algeria. Um, so it's there, it's there to keep peace and uh, hopefully to someday to to do the the referendum. Mm. During the document, the documentary that we screened on Saturday that you were there at. Um, there was um, someone mentioned that the Western Sahara resistance is isn't really covered as much as it should be by mainstream by mainstream media. How can the international commu- community support um, the resistance? Yes, yes, definitely. And uh, one of the reasons that is, uh, you know, the Sahara resistance is not is not getting to the world. The, the world doesn't know about it. Is because Morocco. They don't allow any journalists or any international organizations, mostly in most cases, to visit Western Sahara. They, even so the Sahrawis are not allowed to um, to take pictures or to, you know, to take videos and stuff like that. So they don't want the news to get out to the world. But um, I believe that um, um, the Sahrawis, the Sahrawis, they, 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 they are the ones who can... Um, because they are the, the only people who have access to, you know, in, in, the, in the occupied Western Sahara. So they should, take, you know, use the media, social media and social platforms to get, um, you know, to get the world involved. Mm. And, um, yeah, and I think, yeah, everybody, even in the international community, everybody should read the news and um, Google Western Sahara and what's going on in Western Sahara. And my son just worked in. Mm. Um, yes, so it's really important. It's just like the case of this Timur. Yeah. Um, you know, the Timurids didn't have much power, just like us, but the international community helped mm-hmm. and raised awareness about the, the issues and they gained their independence. Absolutely, that's great to hear. And I guess that's where we come in, where, you know, we are pretty much the conduit for that resistance movement. So as we're happy to. Um, get the word out and spread it as far as, as is needed. Um, we, this is just a final question. I know your little one is in the room and he's probably just wrapped up in your, yeah. um, on you yeah. now. <laughs> so how can listeners get involved in the Australia Western Sahara Association? Yes, we have a website um, and um, the website is um, A W S A. 
www.org.au. So they can go, you know, people can go to the website and they will find all the information that is related to our association and to Western Sahara in general. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Gabby. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Maurice. And I'm Mario. And we're Chronically Chronically Chilled. A program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness, as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives. Listen to Chronically Chilled the first Wednesday of every month at 6pm. Twenty eighteen marks twenty years since senior traditional owner Yvonne Margarula invited supporters to come to Mirar Country within Kakadu National Park to blockade the proposed Jabaluka uranium mine. Thousands answered the call. The mine was stopped. To commemorate this extraordinary anniversary, Conjate Aboriginal Corporation and the Australian Conservation Foundation have produced a gorgeous commemorative calendar. Standing strong, Jabaluka 20 years is a piece of history you don't want to miss. Order your copy today at mirar.net. That's M-I-R-A-R-R.net, a 3CR supporter. I'm Black Betty, and you can join me for Black Noise Radio each Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Join me each week as I serve you up a deadly fine offering of all things black as we explore black Australia and everything fabulous it has on the offer. We'll check out and see what's making black news locally and from right around Australia. And we'll explore all things Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and the deadly solid culture and people with a look at community news, views, music, culture and the arts. Hope you can join me for Black Noise Radio featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, culture and the arts from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. That's me, Black Betty. I'll see you Thursdays at 2. Welcome back. Okay, we're going to go straight to it. Let's go straight to it. My bad. Okay, so we're going to play a song by um, called Specs, called Blank Maps. And she's an Australian, well, not Australian, she's a Somali-Canadian singer. And she's, she's her genre, actually her genre is interesting. It's called um, Soul Doom. So, yeah, let's have a listen. Want to hear us slam the atomic industry? Then tune into the radioactive show on 3CR 10 a.m. Saturdays.
from every corner of the land. Womankind, arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our right because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Such a nice song. <laughs> Thank you, Shirley. Shirley Ellis? You girls yes. are so disrespectful. I know. Sorry. <laughs> you play this every... How do you not know Shirley? How many times can you listen to a song God. and not know the artist's name? Shirley Ellis. All right. It's etched in my brain now. Mm. So, alt news. Mm. We're talking about India's Me Too movement. Mm. So I guess just a little content warning um, for discussions around sexual violence, sexual harassment, sexual mm. assault. Yep, and if it brings up anything for you, the number for 1-800-RESPECT is 1-800-737-732. So, it's just blown up completely in the last... Massively, in yeah. the last two weeks or yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about the background? Yeah. What's happened? Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, but my understanding is that... Um, some big things that have happened recently is that Indian Minister M.J. Akbar um, has been accused of, of sexual assault um, and also a number of comedians, journalists, actors, actors, filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really just become this huge thing in a really short space of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with um, M.J. Akbar, the Indian Minister, he's actually filed a def- defamation case against a female journalist, but a bunch of other women have come out. Mm, and, and he's resigned now. Yeah. Um, the noise got too loud. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's amazing. If um, if listeners want to follow this Twitter account, um, it's called at India Me Too. Um, it's like they provide sort of live updates about what is happening in the different industries. And, yeah, like you're right, all the different industries have now been sort of involved at this point started with the um the media um so mm. like a really famous uh, comedian from this group called All India Bachchod who which you know um is a progressive um comedy group 
um, one of the main sort of actors and founders of the group was um, accused of sexual harassment, and then it sort of just snowballed into into all of this. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the thing that sparked the whole. Oh, I think most it is. recent. I, I could be wrong, yeah. but I think it yeah. all happened at the same time. Yeah. And last week, I found out that one of um, uh, one of the very famous lyricists of the Tamil movie industry, whose songs I grew up with, um, has also been accused of sexual assault, and now that's taken over the Tamil um, media industry by storm as well. Wow! Yeah, and it's pretty full on when it's someone that you you know that you're familiar with and you've enjoyed yeah. their you know, whatever their creative thing is about. Like, mm. you grow up and you sort of have this connection to this person and then you find out something about them like that. Mm. It's so disappointing because yeah. he... Yeah, he's so prominent, but also he, um such a good writer and he's the reason why a lot of us love Tamil the way we do. Mm. And now I'm just reevaluating everything I know about about my language and him and, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's interesting also... Just the kind of ripple effects, like, you know, how these things can snowball so quickly and perhaps social media plays a role in that. Mm. But just to have, like, a few people come and speak out and then suddenly a whole bunch of other people come forward Mm. and just to see how it kind of grows. Mm. Do you think it's similar to the Me Too movement in other parts of the world? Uh, It's, well, uh, excuse my ignorance, but I don't know the, I don't know the full story, but... One thing that jumps at me is that, th- that the same thing that happened in the U.S. in terms of Hollywood or um, so, so people who are famous and recognizable, they their stories sort of overshadow the stories mm-hmm. of like let's say domestic workers and, yep. and so on. So I I don't know if now that in me too, like the Me Too situation in India will have like a trickle down effect down to domestic workers mm. and whether they'll become the voice of the me too or will it just be the the writer mm. you're talking about I mean I yeah like we'd hope so I think um but there have already been all these articles popping up about um how frivolous this movement is because um of the high rate of violence against girls in India. Um, and we're talking about extreme violence, right? Like, you know, I think there, there were three gang rapes in the last week or so of young children. Like, these are things that are still happening in India. So there are all these articles being like, we're not focusing on the, the issues that are more important. Um, so the, the backlash has also been quite swift. And I think the, the sort of discrimination and stigma that women face in India against reporting of sexual assault um, because of what it means about their dignity and their families and all that. I think the impact is, or I, yeah, I think it, it's a lot more insidious and dangerous in a country where the reporting mechanisms are already so all over the place. And, you know, mm. I mean, sexual harassment and assault all over the world is underreported and underprosecuted. But I think in India, <coughs> it's, it's, you know, worse. Mm-hmm. And so it says a lot about the courage of the women who are coming forward. Yes. Yeah. But I also think the backlash will be mm. quite um, mm. swift and, and bad. Yeah. And the barriers to being able to speak publicly mm. in terms of your what your, what work you're in, whereabouts you live. Mm. Or um, I think there was, an, there was an article in the Times of India that was talking about 
domestic workers' experiences of sexual harassment and that 29% face sexual harassment at work. And um, this particular group of workers, along with uh, small-scale manufacturing unit workers, are, are the most at risk to experiencing these kinds of violence and having those barriers um, to talking, to speaking openly about it or even just knowing what rights they have in, mm. in their situation. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, there's the intersection of class, like you, like you mentioned, but also caste. Um, mm. you know, which is a, another huge barrier in India as well. Um, Dalit women face a lot more violence and harassment than any other caste in India, and that's been happening for centuries, and even the sort of upper-class women know about it um, and haven't done anything about it. So that's mm. the other sort of interesting issue that's popped up as well. Yes. Um, and also that um, we had this Indian writer, Dipanjana Paul, on our show maybe two months ago. And she was talking about the Me Too movement, and it's quite apt. I think the timing is quite interesting. Um, and she was talking about this this um, conflict between older feminists and newer feminists and how the newer feminists in India are focused on movements like the Me Too movement, whereas older feminists are still very much in cahoots with the with their male academic allies and, and that sort of thing. And that's also popped up quite recently, mm. um, that older feminists are not willing to let go of their their struggles and, you know. So a kind of, is it kind of like a second wavy? Mm. I don't know, is it like, is it like Jermaine Greer, like not wanting yeah, to speak? Yeah, is it, is it kind of similar? To mind, yeah. 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 The parallels are, yeah, outstanding. Yeah. That's a really interesting, and I guess, I guess it's an interesting question to consider, you know, can, can Me Too be an intersectional movement that does acknowledge mm a whole range of experiences and centre those experiences mm. in the in the movement or is it going to be, you know, inherently one that kind of puts forward, you know, the most privileged mm. and their experiences? Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm never opposed to public figures or um, people whose voice matters um, sort of being that spark mm. to create this conversation. That's fine. But leaving it at just the conversation level can be also not really useful because, mm. like, you can talk. We've been talking for a long time. Mm. But hopefully if we c- if they can mobilise, even in Australia, if we can mobilise the whole Me Too, the discussions, because there's so many think pieces, there's all these, like, abundance of writing, but it would be good to see what kind of policies come through mm. Mm. Um, yeah and if these if these more kind of prominent figures like public figures and mm. celebrities and whoever use their position to also you know elevate the voices of mm. other people absolutely is yeah. that something that can be done it, you know surely it can be done and it mm. should be done but will that will that happen yeah like a very famous bollywood actress who talked about sexual harassment maybe 20 years ago and was driven out of the industry has now come back to India and has started doing interviews and talking about her experiences more openly because she's now found the space. Mm. Um, And so I think it'll be really interesting in the next few months to see how this movement sort of explodes, but also, yeah, what that means for women of different classes and castes and and all of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it really comes back to what you said before, Anya, about the strength of people speaking out, especially if it's, you know, if it's something that hasn't really been done on a large mm. scale, I mean, that would be so huge. Yeah. Yeah. On 20th of October, come enjoy an experience. Traditional barapen 
underground cooking from West Papua. Fun rising for Black Orchid Stream Band with music, food and movie. Hell in Brunswick East, cooking will start at 5 p.m. Free booking ticket only. 20 for adults, 14 for children, kids under 5 is free. Find the event on Black Orchid Stream Band Facebook page. Book through try booking. See you there at 20 of October. Black Orchid Stream Band, proud 3CR supporter. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. .org.au and you can order online all the 20 CDs, 15 issues for $160 postage pay or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there. You'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs. Rumination, 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests artists and performers 
from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855am. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with myself, George, Anya and Ayan. Lauren is away this week. We miss and love you very much if you're listening. And we just had a few great tracks that were played. The first one was by Mahalia and also called Mahalia. Beautiful tune. And then we also heard from Sister Nancy. Classic. <laughs> it's such a good song. Boom Boom, was it called? Bam Bam. Bam, Bam sorry. So on the line, we have Tracy Gaudry, who is here to talk about... Um, some interesting things that are being done in terms of family violence uh, with respect to Victoria. So just a content warning, we are talking about intimate partner violence and family violence. I'll give some numbers at the end of this interview. So family violence is something we consider really important and we talk a lot about at Tuesday Breakfast. In the last fortnight, we saw um, men and liberal feminists celebrating because the tampon tax was dropped. Uh, and then we saw seven women murdered by men in one week. So it seems like, you know, this is a kind of metaphor for women's experiences at the moment. The small wins are being focused on, but the big, deep-running structural issues are in the too-hard basket, and women are often the ones that are harmed. So the Victorian government has at least made some noises in the right direction here and has funded a body known as Respect Victoria. So thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. Thank you very much, George, and it's such an important topic that we're talking about and we need to keep it um, in the centre of community conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree with you more. Um, and just to start off with, can you tell us what Respect Victoria is all about? Yes, thank you very much. Respect Victoria is Victoria's first agency um, enacted under legislation and dedicated to the prevention of family violence in all its forms. Now, George, you've already talked about the, um, the tragic number of women who've died at the hands of a partner or former intimate partner in the last week. Um, the prevention of family violence under Respect Victoria's remit is to prevent all forms of violence against women and all forms of family violence, and that means whatever the construct of family or close community is, whether that be LGBTI people, LGBTI people, elderly people, people with disabilities, Indigenous communities, and people of multiple cultural backgrounds. So you can see that our remit tackles prevention of family violence for our whole community. Okay, and in terms of, you know, dealing with this at the level of prevention, um, how do you kind of how do you get around this? What do you, is it about conducting research? Like, what is the understanding of Respect for Victoria in terms of the reasons why this kind of violence takes place? 
Yeah. So Respect Victoria, uh, with a focus on the prevention of family violence, uh, for those listeners who are thinking about family violence, we've, there, there, are, there are three levels of family violence. And when we look about a prevention mindset, there's prevention, uh, there is intervention, uh, which is actually about um, recognising that family violence is taking place in some shape or form. And there's a response, and that's the treatment and the recovery of those affected by family violence, both the perpetrator and the victim and what we call bystanders. And prevention is around how do we stop family violence before it starts. So firstly, for any prevention activity, we need to understand why it's happening. What are the root causes and triggers of family violence? The research into that. Now that sounds very dry and boring doing research, but we've got to understand because we're dealing with a very, very diverse community in Victoria. We're dealing with multiple intersections of community diversity. So we need to understand those drivers. What we do know about drivers is that family violence is caused, one of the root causes is inequality. And one of our, one of the society's predominant drivers of inequality is gender inequality, which is why the violence of men against women, where gender-based inequality has been such a strong um, uh, backbone of society, why gender inequality is, is the main driver, and why we're calling out in our first campaign uh, the Respect Women Call It Out campaign. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess this is just like... It's concerning that you know we've seen a lot of work being done in this in this field for quite some time, but we actually haven't seen the rates of uh, people that are murdered by their partners drop at all. You know, despite this research. Um, yes, yes, George, and you're right. There is a lot of work and research being done. Um, a lot of the work um, is admirably and rightfully so in intervening when family violence takes place and responding and treating the situation once it's occurred. The work and research being done at the prevention end is not sufficient. Um, It's not globalised, it's not nationalised and there's there's some being done in in organisations such as ANROS and Our Watch uh, and, and academic institutions. Respect Victoria's role is to bring that all together and to understand more about the drivers of family violence, gender-based violence and other forms of violence, to then implement what what works, test that, try that, set baselines and measures and, and progress and, and track changes over time. And mm. um, I might note that when you're looking when you're looking what we call upstream at the start, to actually measure an impact downstream where violence is taking place is going to take time. And what we may find is that um, by um, undertaking more research, um, bringing the conversation to the community in the in the public space and in the mainstream conversation, um, we've got to look at potential impacts. More people calling out, more uh, recognition of incidences whether the incidences are going up, but the recognition and reporting. So we've actually got about a measure um, the impact of the work we're doing over time as well. And, and that's a big task we have, and that's why the Respect Victoria has been established by the Victorian government. Mm. And so, so you've mentioned gender inequality being one of the biggest factors in terms of this form of violence. Does it mean that for your research or for your work that you're going to be interrogating issues around patriarchy, misogyny, structural issues from a feminist perspective? Uh, you, you've actually got, you've hit the nail on the head, so you could have been sitting on our side of the fence and thanks for being such a strong campaigner <laughs> against uh, gender-based family violence. It's important. We do need to look at traditional structures and traditional social and family structures. They're then compounded by 
other structures and other societal influences such as um, LGBTI community and the increased um, recognition and acceptance of um, LGBTI people. We've got to look at our Indigenous community and cultural structures in place within our Indigenous community. And critically, we must, we must both embrace um, as Australia and Victorians having a, a very, very broad multicultural community. And within that, we've got different cultures and structures. Um, on top of that, elder abuse, you know, that's a, that's a hidden form of abuse. And in, in Italy, we use the word omerta, not spoken about. So we've got many structures in our community that we need to understand the contributors towards inequality and marginalisation and discrimination and start to tackle those piece by piece, understanding the impacts of the work that we're doing over time. Mm, and I guess, you know, the thing of not making assumptions about what in- intimate partner violence looks like when we think about the kind of, I guess, the mainstream narrative that there are so many different contexts and how do we kind of hold, hold all of those things together in terms of support services or prevention work? Yes, um, it is, and it's a, it's a very fragile structure that we have in place in terms of the prevention sector. Uh, you know, prevention before it starts, uh, intervention when it's taking place, and response in treatment. Um, part of our role is to understand the work that's being done across the whole life cycle, um, and and that the prevention call, the prevention work that we'll do will have a longer term effect on um, lessening intervention, lessening response because the incidences are lower. Um, but for the time being, the fund across the sector is not enough to to cover all of the work that needs to be done Um, and it's not about moving funding streams from intervention and response up to prevention it's actually adding funding to prevention Mm. research awareness education Um, so you can say that it's it's all of the sector working hand in glove I might say George if if you don't mind it's actually not just the prevention sector that needs to work on this it's mainstream community sectors Mm. that influence community attitudes and behaviours so we will be working not only in the governance sector in the health sector, in the health prevention sector, but with business, with sport, with media, with arts, with community organisations, everywhere where there are sectors and organisations that that have a strong um, contribution to community sentiment, attitudes and behaviours, because this is a societal issue and culture and attitudes are a big driver towards behaviour. Yes, and I actually just want to jump to... um the ads. So Respect Victoria is responsible for the ads that people might have been seeing, uh, where there's a group of men at the pub and one of them is uh, emotionally abusing his partner on the phone while everyone is looking on awkwardly. Why has Respect Victoria chosen to target male attitudes in the workplace? So if, if, if listeners go to uh, www.respectvictoria.vic.gov.au, they can uh, see, read and hear, uh, listen to the um, current campaign that's in market. Uh, the reason that the campaign in market um, broadly called Respect Women Call It Out is to bring light to the fact that the predominant form of family violence is violence against women and that is violence of the domestic or intimate partner against a, a current or former female partner. And Part of bringing this issue to light is that is recognising that that family violence takes place has many forms. It's not always about physical violence. That's an ex, that's the extreme manifestation. It can be verbal violence. It can be financial violence. Um, it can be psychological violence, emotional violence. And what these this series of ads and campaigns is doing is bringing to bringing to the fore 
everyday settings where um, uh, recognition and where um, causes of family violence can be seen through the what we can see is everyday behaviour calling out inappropriate discriminatory everyday behaviour to say this can be the start of what can manifest into extreme family violence. Mm. Yeah, and it seems like, a, you know, you've touched on how this is a very... The, any, any response to this issue has to be done at every level, and I think through ads is a really effective way of achieving that. Um, I just have one or two last questions I'd like to squeeze in. So, sure. you know, Tuesday Breakfast would be, I guess, you know, thinking about these issues as... Um, as violence that affects a lot of people in society, and you've touched on that, you know, who is vulnerable to experiencing intimate partner violence and family violence. Um, How does Respect Victoria intend to target resources towards demographics so that it is reaching everybody? So, you know, people in same-sex or queer relationships, Indigenous women, women of colour, refugee women, sex workers, people with disabilities, elders. How are these resources kind of going to be sort of given out to reach all of these people? Um, George, it's a, it's a fantastic question and critical for um, our community to understand that this is a this is a major issue that we're all together dealing with. Um, mainstream campaigns and mass media campaigns, such as the Respect Women Called Out campaign, is targeting a, a, a very broad and predominant form of family violence. Um, we're currently working with um, consumer research and, and community group research on bringing to life campaigns to call out uh, discriminatory behaviour with respect to LGBTI communities, elderly people, people with disabilities. Um, And we need to target those campaigns to be able to reach those community cohorts in a really meaningful way, in a tangible way. So mass media is not always going to be the way for that. It's actually going into the communities, um, connecting with people where they make connections within their communities, such as community groups, workplaces, uh, social settings. And that's why the, work, the research into how do we actually uh, understand where this behaviour is taking place, where those communities are most influenced and come together as a cohort, and we'll target the campaign to reach community groups, um, the, the particular sectors, much more closely to where they're going to also have the support infrastructure. Okay, so it sounds like this is about centering people's lived experiences and using that, you know, to to kind of address this at, at the prevention level? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And by addressing it at the prevention level, it's going to start the conversation, what we call much further upstream. Yes. Um, yeah. We recognise that that's going to uh, be difficult. Um, there's going to be discomfort. But the first thing is recognising discriminatory behaviour and that is at the start of, of more extreme family violence and we need to stop it before it starts. And it's beholden upon all of us as community members to, to look in the mirror at ourselves, to look in the community around us and consider what type of community we want to live in. And we've yeah. all got responsibility to, to start taking those steps now. Yeah, thank you so much, Tracy. This is such an important issue for Tuesday Brecky and we really hope that we start to see some really positive things come out out of respect for Victoria. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks,
In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. You're listening to Tuesday Brekkie on 3CR, and that was, of course, the late Aretha Franklin. Great choice, Ayan. <laughs> um, and just to give a couple of numbers from that interview that we just heard, if anything that we spoke about uh, was distressing or confronting for you and you'd like to have a chat about it, you can call Casa House, which is the Centre Against Sexual Assault. Their counselling and support line number is open 24-7, and the number is 9635-3610. You can also call WIRE Women's Information and they are there to support you with any issue that you might have. Their number is 1300-134-130. Thanks, George. Um, so last week there was a case heard at the High Court regarding the validity of safe access zone laws in Victoria. We now have Adrienne Walters, senior lawyer from the Human Rights Law Centre, on the line to give us some more information about this really, really important case. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adrienne. Thank you for having me. Could you start by explaining the facts and background of the case? Sure. So this case is about laws that protect the dignity, privacy and safety of women trying to access reproductive health care and the staff trying to provide that care. Safe access zones were established in Victoria in 2016 and they are zones around services that provide abortion care Mm. and they prohibit things like harassment and abuse and filming outside of those clinics Mm. because it causes significant harm to to women and to the staff trying to provide the care. Um, So safe access zones have been really, really important in Victoria and there's one part of the laws that have being challenged and that's about communications that are reasonably likely to cause anxiety and distress Mm -hmm. and they're being challenged in the High Court um, by an anti-abortionist and the High Court needs to decide whether they are constitutional or not. Mm. And what is um, Human Rights Law Centre's involvement in this case? So we have um, been given permission to intervene by the High Court as a friend of the court And so what we've done is provided um, submissions about what we think the, um, about what we think the the laws do. Mm. Um, And we've emphasised that we believe that the laws are absolutely critical to protecting women trying to access reproductive healthcare from harassment and abuse. Mm. And that the laws strike the right balance between freedom of expression on the one hand, and the right of every single person to access the health care that they need. Mm. And so the case was um, heard last week and it's, it's still going on, isn't it? 
the hearings are finished. The case was last week. It ran over three days. Oh, right. Okay. So when will the decision be handed down? It's hard to say. It's hard to predict when that will be, but we hope maybe in the next four to six months. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, assuming that the High Court upholds the laws around safe access zones as they stand currently, um, what is next in the fight for safe reproductive health care in Victoria? Abortion was decriminalised in Victoria in 2008. Mm. And so in terms of the... And it was replaced with laws that... Um, promote the right of every single one of us to make decisions about our bodies and our lives. Mm. So that's really positive um, for Victoria. Um, the fight is to make sure that for every single person, um, they, there is affordable and accessible reproductive health care across the state. Mm. Um, but also to make sure that we, you know, that there aren't, or to respond to attacks against our hard-fought gains. Um, we can't rest on our laurels, as we've seen in the United States. There will always be people attacking, attacking the reproductive freedom of women. Mm. But even beyond Victoria, I'm actually in Brisbane at the moment where there's a bill in front of the Queensland Parliament that will be debated this week. And that bill would see laws that are over 100, they're 119 years old. They criminalise abortion. Mm. They discriminate against women. And there's a bill before Parliament that would end that. Mm. And the numbers are really close. Um, and similar laws exist in New South Wales that criminalise abortion. So there's a lot to do still around Australia. Mm. And I guess, um, I mean, because the case last week that was heard also was about the Tasmanian safe access zone laws as well, weren't they? Could you maybe expand a little bit on, on what the situation there is like? Yeah, so... The Tasmanian laws were also challenged. It was one um, small part of the Tasmanian laws. Mm. Um, in terms of what's happening in um, Tasmania at the moment, there's actually a, a lack of services that are affordable and accessible to women. And so we're seeing women who have to travel interstate, so from Tasmania across to Melbourne, mm. to access the reproductive health care that they need. Mm. And these are services that can and should be provided in Tasmania. And it's on the, the government in Tasmania to make sure these services are accessible to women. Mm. Mm. And I guess if, um, if the opposite happens, um, that is that the High Court finds that <clears throat> the safe access zone, zone's laws as it stands it, you know, are unconstitutional, what do you think are the implications of that? Like I said, we believe the law strikes the right balance between freedom of expression and the right of every person to access the healthcare that they need. Mm. In terms of what the High Court's decision might be and what it could mean, mm. it's impossible to say because it really will depend on um, the nature of the court's decision and, and how they how they reach their decision. Mm. I mean, there are um, mm. five jurisdictions around Australia that have enacted safe access zone laws mm. and that's because each of those jurisdictions have recognised that it's completely unacceptable that women are harassed and abused on their way to, um, to see their doctor and that no woman should have to run such a gauntlet of abuse and harassment. Mm. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed for, for this decision then. Um, thank you so much once again for joining us today, Adrian. No problem. Thanks for having me. Great interview. <laughs> um, so I want to play a track now by the late Charles Bradley 
I'm sure many many of you listening might be fans. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a final album that's going to actually come out in November, but a single has just been released. So the album is called Black Velvet. Um, and this track, it's beautiful as all Charles Bradley songs are, very moving. Um, and this one's called I Feel a Change. Environmental Film Festival Australia is on again. See the impact of climate change and meet heroes fighting for justice. Witness the beauty of nature and hear the sounds of our world. Meet the filmmakers and experts inspiring change and join the conversation to create a sustainable future. Face the facts, face the future, face the films. The Environmental Film Festival Australia in Melbourne from October the 11th to the 19th. Tickets at effa.org.au. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. That track we just heard was by Charles Bradley. It's called I Feel a Change. Such a good tune. So beautiful. Mm. Mm. DJ George is back. <laughs> Good to be back. <laughs> so, we've got an interesting activity to do now. I don't know if activity. you can call it an activity. Mm. So, who wants, to, who wants to go first? Okay, so we've got um, the names of 28 senators who voted in favour of One Nation leader Pauline Hansen's motion. It's okay to be white because... When has that never been okay? So we, we thought we would just give, start listing them mm. and um, listing what party they're with. And play some background music yeah. to kind of... Counteract. Yeah. All right. A song yeah. that truly um, yeah, embodies <laughs> how we feel about them. Okay, so do, do you want to start reading them? Mm. Okay, so we have Nigel Scullion, Indigenous Minister for, um, in Northern Territories. He is part of the Country Liberal Party. We have Sa Zelia, who is the who's part of the Liberal Party in the ACT. Erica Betts, the from Tasmania Liberal Party. David Bushby, Bushby, uh, from Tasmania Liberal Party. Richard Colbeck, Tasmania Liberal Party. Jonathan Dunham, Tasmania Liberal Party. Where are we up to? But Fraser Enning. Oh, Fra- no. oh <laughs> Fraser Enning, Caterparty, Matt Canavan, National Party, Pauline Hansen, One Nation Party, James McGrath, Liberal Party, Barry O'Sullivan, National Party, Jane Stoker, Liberal Party. 
Kerry, uh, no, Corey Bernardi, South Australia, Australian Conservatives, Simon Birmingham, South Australia, Liberal Party, uh, La- Lucy Gachui, um, South Australia, Liberal Party, and Roston, South Australia, Liberal Party. Mm. Slade Brockman, WA Liberal Party, Michaela Cash, WA Liberal Party, Peter Georgiou, Georgiou? WA One Nation Party, Linda Reynolds, WA Liberal Party, Dean Smith, WA Liberal Party, Conchetta Fiovanti Wells, New South Wales Liberal Party, David Linehelm, New South Wales Liberal Democrats, Jim Molin, New South Wales Liberal Party, John Williams, New South Wales National Party. And let's see how Victoria fared. Mitch Fifield, Victoria Liberal Party, Jane Hume, Victoria Liberal Party, and Bridget McKenzie from the National Party. So if you'd like to send emails uh, or um, even visit their office to be like, Mm. hey, what's up? What's going on? Mm. Or tweet at them. Tweet at them. Let them know. Let them know that it's okay to be white. (laughs) These poor babies. (laughs) (laughs) White tears. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's just, it's... It's unbelievable, and I'm not going to say even in 2018 because people don't realize folks who harbor certain feelings about minorities or who who feel like their whiteness is being challenged Mm. have children, Mm. and they indoctrinate their children with this kind of information, and those children indoctrinate their children. So this idea that racists or, you know, not saying this, not saying these um, uh, pollies are racist, but anybody who feels like their white identity is being wrestled away from them, we should know that they will continue to pass down mm. that kind of, you know, those kind of sentiments to their children, who will, you know, most likely be up, you know, be be the future politicians, be the people who decide. Mm. Um, you know, decide stuff like employment, mm. who will, you know, hire certain people or, you know, who will stop certain people on the street. So, mm. And it seems kind of like, you know, this language that, say, this slogan, it's like how dominant groups kind of take up, like, ideas around oppression and marginalisation mm. um, as a way of kind of, like, making it seem as though they're the ones that are being mm. affected. Mm. And it's an alt-right... Uh, catchphrase as well, you know, and when when that Fraser Anning thing happened maybe a couple of weeks ago, the whole Senate congratulated themselves for decrying it and saying that that's not how Australia works, and then literally two months later this happens, so mm. watch out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it's not disappointing, it's typical, but also, God, it's so annoying that this, this is this is where we're at. Mm. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR. We're almost at the end of our show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to all our chatter every week. <laughs> See you next week.